We, um, we had a very cool time yesterday out in Portage at Reset, and uh, Live Church led to worship, and it was just cool. It was a cool day. Um, it's cool to see what God's doing, encouraging people to pray, and we're grateful for that. Uh, for those of you that are watching online or, or uh, been, been hanging out at Live Church in the auditorium, uh, you want to pick up your, your notes, uh, your outline for the, today's talk. You can on Facebook, the church Facebook or Life Church webpage, you can dial it in, pull it out, follow along. As you know, we are going through the book of 1 Thessalonians, and uh, it's, been, it's been cool. And notice... Um, the title, It's Not About You, It's About God in You, and the subtitle, My Appointment with Trouble, and we've talked about that, haven't we? Trouble. Chapter, chapter 3, where we've been hanging, it's, it's pretty loaded with that word trouble, and I, I need to uh, submit to you that as when you put your faith in Christ, when you become a follower of Christ... Trouble doesn't exit from your life. As we live in a real world, it's broken. Sin has invaded from the Garden of Eden. It has it is swept through our planet. And it doesn't take much to see the effect that sin has on people. And trouble comes. And so with that, um, I'd like to just mention Jeremy Camp. Uh, uh, we watched his movie, I still believe, a few months ago. Man, I tell you, um, it's powerful. It's powerful. And um, Jeremy says that his worship leading and being successful at it was born out of a life filled with personal suffering and trouble. And it began with his marriage to Melissa, a marriage Jeremy entered knowing that the woman he loved was dying from cancer. And Jeremy remembers the day when he first met her. He was leading worship at a church in San Diego, California. He said, I was singing and I looked up and there was Melissa with her hands raised up so high you could tell she was really worshiping the Lord. And after a few months of dating, Jeremy was in love and he said to Melissa, I need to tell you something, I love you. But she said, you know what, I don't feel the same way. Maybe you've had that happen to you, you know. Uh, but after a few months, Jeremy re received a call from Melissa, who gave him the devastating news that she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. He says, I remember walking into the hospital, and she had just found out that she had cancer, and she was smiling. She was smiling. It was like, why are you smiling? And Melissa said, I'm doing okay because I've been thinking. If I were to die from this cancer, if one person were to receive Christ, if one person were to get into a lifeboat with Jesus as their Lord and Savior, it will be worth it all. Jeremy said, after that, I was driving home and I was crying, man, all of these emotions coming up. And I said, Lord, if she tells me she loves me, I will marry her. I don't even know why I said it. I just realized that God was preparing my heart. And Jeremy, remember, so about two weeks later, I got a phone call. 
Melissa, on the other side of the phone, said, hey, I need to talk to you. I know now why God wanted it to be just me and him, because he wanted to prepare me for this. But I've been praying for you for a long time, and I wanted to let you know I love you too. Five months later, Jeremy and Melissa were married. But during their honeymoon, Melissa began to feel severe pain in her abdomen. Jeremy says, so we got back to the doctor when the honeymoon was over, and the doctor pulled me aside. He said, we've, uh, we've done some more tests on Melissa, and the cancer's back so much, like, uh, you know, so what can we do about it? And the doctor said, there's nothing else we can do. It's all over her body. The doctor told Melissa that she had months, maybe weeks to live. And I remember Melissa saying, Jeremy, I just want to worship the Lord right now. Think about that. You've just been given a death sentence and you want to worship the Lord. Trouble has come. So, of course, I pulled out my guitar. In those moments, we, we had more of those moments, of course, where it's not about our circumstances when we worship the Lord. He is worthy to be praised no matter what we're going through. And on February 5th, 2001, 21 years old, Melissa went to be with the Lord. And Jeremy was in the hospital with Melissa's sister, and he said, I can remember Melissa's sister saying she is with Jesus now. A grief fell over me that I can't describe. The weight of her suffering is over, but the grief was she's gone. We always had worship music playing in the background. I remember the Lord speaking into my heart saying, Jeremy, I want you to stand up and worship me. And I remember standing up and raising my hands. That was such a good act of obedience for me. I just saying, Lord, I don't want to do this, but I know this is why I am here. And I remember not wanting to ask God why, but I finally did. And God always spoke to me. And he said, Jeremy, I don't want you to know why, because I want you to have a testimony of walking by faith. You see, I had just written that song previously on our honeymoon, Walk by Faith. And I look at these songs that come from it, Walk by Faith, and the song I Still Believe. I wrote that song two weeks after Melissa went to be with the Lord. And those of you that know that story, you see, you know the pain that Jeremy went through in the process of finally putting those lyrics to music. He says, I've seen the story after story of God using this whole thing to show his faithfulness to encourage people. That blows my mind, realizing that Melissa made that statement if just one person gets into the lifeboat with Jesus. I hear thousands and thousands of stories. I remember being on my face after that realization, and God said, Jeremy, remember. And when I get distracted, when I lose sight of what's going on, God will say, look at the thousands of changed lives. The lyrics, I still believe, are on the screen For those of you that are not familiar with that, scattered words and empty thoughts seem to pour from my heart. I've never felt so torn before. Seems I don't know where to start, but it's now that I feel your grace falls like rain from every fingertip washing away my pain. And here it is. 
I still believe in your faithfulness. I still believe in your truth. I still believe in your holy word, even when I don't see. I still believe. Maybe you're going through a trouble right now, friend, and you feel like bailing out on God. You blame him. Don't do it. Jeremy went through that process. It's okay to go through that process, but don't stay there, man. Come out of it. That's why he stood and he worshiped the Lord. That kept him in a healthy place. That's how he could say, I still believe in your faithfulness, Lord. You are still a good God. Because when trouble comes, you are faithful. And so, though the questions still fog up my mind with promises I still seem to bear, even when answers slowly unwind, it's my heart I see you prepare. But it's now that I feel your grace fall like rain from every fingertip washing away my pain. I still believe in your faithfulness. Incredible story. God is using it even today. And I have to tell you, man, um, living in this broken world, we see trouble all the time. And we have to be careful that we don't become jaded. We, we just harden our heart to it. Because there are many, many broken people and hurting people all around you. God wants to use you to bring that life-giving message to them. And I'll tell you, just this past week I read a story that came out of Tennessee last Sunday morning. Phil and Eileen Stevens were driving to church. It was a good church. Somebody hit them in the back in their car on purpose. They kidnapped Phil and Eileen. They held them captive for six hours. And the man shot Phil, killing him in front of his wife, who was pregnant with their first child. I don't understand that, do you? And we could go on and on because those stories keep coming. It simply is a photograph of what sin will do in a world when people choose not to get into the lifeboat with Jesus Christ. Bad things happen. And even though Phil and Eileen Stevens were in the lifeboat with Jesus, trouble came knocking. And friends, just like Jeremy Camp, we have to make a decision. Am I still going to believe in his faithfulness? Hmm? We have that freedom to choose. To allow the love of God to be poured into us or for our hearts to become bitter and calloused. And so this morning, once again, John 16, 33, uh, trouble. Jesus said, uh, I've told you all these things so that you may have peace in me. In other words, when trouble comes, my peace is going to be poured into you. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world.
So in your notes, we're going we're gonna to pick up, as you know, we've been uh, winding through uh, chapter 3, and um, let's pick it up again. Um, we're going to stay with me because we're going to um, jump in this, in this chapter. Verse 1, finally, when we could stand it no longer, we decided to stay alone in Athens. Paul and his team saying that we sent Timothy to visit you. Verse 3, and keep, we, we, we did that to, to encourage you to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through. They were going through troubles too. But you know that we are destined for such troubles. Paul's saying we live in a broken world. Jesus said it. Paul said it. Verse 4, even while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would soon come, and they did, as you well know. Verse 7, so we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering. Paul is saying, hey, 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 hey. Even Paul, this apostle, this man of God that God has been using to, to present the gospel in the known world of that day, man, I'm facing, I'm facing troubles and suffering too. And so... Verse 6, but now Timothy has just returned, bringing us good news about your faith and love. He reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering. Dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith. Kind of reminds me of Jeremy Camp, doesn't it, you? Hmm? That's the key, friends. What's, what's trouble going to do to you? In fact, Paul says it gives us new life. Whew, there's new life coming in, man. I'm so encouraged to know that you're standing firm in the Lord. How we thank God for you because of you we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word once again. You are so good, Lord. Your word, man, is so relevant there's trouble back in Paul's day, and there's trouble in our world right here, right now, that we're walking through. But you don't abandon us. You walk us through it, step by step. I pray for every person, Lord, here and at home. May they, each of us, have an encounter with you in a very personal way, Lord, because you knit us together in our mother's womb, and you are still hanging out with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So number five in your notes, trouble stretches me. Trouble stretches me. You can see encouraged in times of trouble, verse, uh, point one, two, troubles in the mail. And you know the mail comes through, doesn't it? Which leads us, trouble predicted, and here it is, for trouble is a test. It's a test. Five, trouble stretches us. Timothy was sent to the young church at Thessalonica, uh, which is in Greece today. If you took a, a tour in Greece, you would find that city still there. Paul was there. And Paul is, is in Corinth when he's writing this letter, and, and he wants to know how, how these, this young church, these new followers of Jesus that recently got into the lifeboat with him, how are they doing? And they're suffering. They're going through tough times. And Paul's concerned about it. So, so he, 
Get some news back from, from Timothy that, man, they're, they're strong. They are remaining faithful. It's good news. But they also realize they're going through trouble, and, and some of them were wavering, and so Paul is writing this letter to, to encourage them. And, and he says, So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering. Because you have remained strong in your faith. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. I was talking to a pastor yesterday at Reset and just talking about the impact of COVID-19 in the church, in the Christian community. And he said, I've noticed in our church that it's those who are newer followers of Christ and those that have been weak in their faith that have disappeared. They're gone. You've heard me talk about it last Sunday. And, and so he was kind of giving me the pulse of his congregation. And you look at this congregation that Paul's writing to, and he's saying, even though you have experienced bad times, man, I'm encouraged. My team is encouraged because you have remained strong in your faith. Early Friday morning, Debbie and I are driving to Dane County Airport. Why? Not for fun. Uh, Debbie's flying to New York, and so 5.15 in the morning, on the way to the airport, dark. Uh, a footnote, Hope Hill Church, they're meeting in the theater for the first time since COVID hit. They've been meeting in a park. Today, they're back in the theater for the first time. Great news. Very cool. So, so we, we're driving down Highway S. You know that hill? It goes down. It goes up, too, but I was going down. And I told Debbie, I said, I'm going to slow down. And I gave her the reason why. I said, I almost got creamed by a deer here a few weeks ago, you know. A hair breath. It was that close. So I'm going, I'm going to go slow here. Okay, go slow. And so we level out and we're, we're, you know, just outside of Pine Bluff coming through. And she yells at me, hey! And she knows I don't like that, you know. <laughs> historically, historically, it, it just doesn't work, you know. And it's what... I knew that was, she said, you see those two deer? And I didn't see them. And one was right on the road. How did that happen? I'll tell you how that happened. Because I was alert to where I saw the last deer. And I put it on cruise control in my head. The fog came through, you know, 5.15 in the morning. I didn't see them. I let my guard down. That's how it is in our walk with Christ, friend. We, we can be alert to those areas that we typically slide into. No, I'm not going to give into that temptation. And once we get through it, we let our guard down, and boom, Satan's there waiting for us. He's good at it. And that was a concern that Paul had for the church in Thessalonica, man, that they, they were kind of putting it on... On cruise, man, you know, I'm good. 
You know, I'm in the lifeboat. I don't have to do anything else. No, Paul is saying, as we'll see in just a moment, they needed to mature in their walk and their faith, just like you and I need to. And so trouble stretches me. And Paul is saying, man, I am encouraged because I have seen, I have seen and heard that you are remaining strong in your faith. And it's, it's really done a lot for me to know that I did not waste my time going to your city to teach you about the Lord. Trouble stretches me. Number six, my trouble anchor. We need an anchor in our world filled with trouble. My anchor is prayer. Verses 10 through 13. Corey Tenboom, some of you know her story. Uh, if you go to the Netherlands, you can, you can see the home where her family hid Jews when the Nazis occupied their city. And somebody tipped off the Gestapo and her entire family, her mom and dad, her, she and her sister were put in a concentration camp for hiding Jews, friends. Can I tell you that when communism, when socialism rules a government, bad things happen? Yo! America needs to wake up. What happened in the Netherlands, they were occupied by the Nazis, friends. That's why prayer is so critical, that God would have mercy. So she was put in a concentration camp, and her parents and her sister died. She was released on accident, really, and came out of that camp. And for the next four decades, God used her to tell her story and God's story about God's great grace that was found in a concentration camp. And her story's told in the hiding place if you want to see more about that. But anyway, she says this about prayer. When a Christian shuns fellowship with other Christians, the devil smiles. When they stop reading the Bible, the devil laughs. When they stop praying, the devil shouts for joy. So point number one, my faith is maturing. Paul says 10 and 11, night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again, to fill in the gaps in your faith. See, I hit this a little bit last week, and back in chapter 2, Paul mentioned that he was like a mother, a father to this. And when you're a parent and you have a son or daughter, children, etc., and they're not living for the Lord, it just, you know, you don't know where they're at spiritually, it weighs on you. Right? Yes or no? It does. It weighs on you. Why? Because the most important thing in a person's life is whether they're in the lifeboat with Jesus or not. That's the most important thing. And this parental weight on Paul, he feels it with this young church in Thessalonica. He says, night and day we're praying for you. 
asking God to let us see you again to fill in the gaps. In other words, he recognized that they were new believers and they needed to grow and mature in their faith. My faith is maturing. We should be able to say that, hands down. My faith is growing. My faith is maturing. Because if it's not, we're drifting away. You just can't make it in neutral, man. You gotta be going for God. S.D. Gordon, Christian author, said, the greatest thing anyone can do for God and man is to pray. It is not the only thing, but it is the chief thing. The great people of the earth today are the people who pray, not those who talk about prayer, nor those who say they believe in prayer, nor those who can explain about prayer, but those who take time to pray. And very simply, I think we overcomplicate prayer. To be honest, my prayer is very simple. It's always simple. When I read the Bible, I try to make time for God to talk to me through his word. I talk to him about his word, and he can talk back to me about his word. But I also talk to him about my concerns. That's what prayer is. It's having a conversation with God. Very simple. And we hit it earlier because we stand righteous before God because of what Jesus did. We can, we can come into his presence no matter where we are, no matter what time of the day, and talk to him. He's our heavenly father. And so, so um, Paul says to fill in the gaps he wanted to fill up any deficiencies and foster their continued growth. Number two, my love is growing. Verse 12, and may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. That's part of our faith growing, maturing. No matter what happened, if Paul did not or could not return back to that church in Thessalonica, he knew this one thing was very important for the people to remain strong, and that was to have love. My love is growing. A key ingredient is we have love one for another, right? Yeah. I mean, quite honestly, that's, that's what gets me fired up. I love coming to church to see you. Yo! Man, I get fired up! You're my family. Montana on the front row gets me fired up. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a little taste of what heaven's going to be like. We're going to yeah, we're going to going to have a blast in heaven, man. I'll be teasing Montana, he'll be teasing me, he'll be harassing me, shooting bottle rockets at me, man. When I've been there 10,000 years, that's just the beginning. That's a little bit longer than 75, 90, 100 here, right? 10,000 years, just the beginning. Man, Paul knew that love was imperative. He says, man, I, 
I, I'm praying that the Lord makes your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. You saw our love for you demonstrated. We came here at the risk of our own lives and we presented the gospel. I, I hope you recognize that he's saying to the church, but, but man, you see our love and we hope that, and we're praying that your love overflows for us and everybody else in your community. That word is agape love, by the way. It describes a selfless love that comes from God. And he sure demonstrated it. St. Paul saying, our love for you overflows, man. I can't contain it. It overflows. I can't keep it inside. It overflows. I have to, I have to demonstrate it. If we're full of love, that love will overflow. Except if you're married. Dude, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I'm telling you the truth. Because there are a lot of Christian couples today that say, yes, love is important, but it's not going to work in my marriage. Love, love is good everywhere, but my marriage, it's not going to work in my marriage. You say they put limitations on God. An article... Two weeks ago, U.S. divorce rates skyrocket amid COVID-19. Here it is. Divorce rates have spiked in the U.S. during the coronavirus pandemic as couples have been stuck at home for months. The number of people looking for divorces was 34% higher from March through June compared to 2019. The combination of stress, unemployment, financial strain, death of loved ones, illness, homeschooling, children, mental illnesses, and more has put a significant strain on relationships. If you read deeper into it, you'll find that it's the newly married couples that are really struggling. Listen to me. God uses marriage on purpose to expose our selfishness. If we could just, like Debbie and I, man, after the deer deal, I didn't freak out at her, you know, have a meltdown in the car. We laughed. We laughed about it. Now that's taken time. You see, we can laugh now. We say, we fought about everything. You know, we've been married so long, we fought about everything, and we're still together. There's nothing else to fight about. <laughs> when you have trouble in your marriage, friend, you need to humble yourself and say, God, forgive me of my selfishness. Pour your love into me so I can love my spouse the way you want me to. Amen. Lord, I need your help. I can't do this alone. I need your help. And I can tell you, I, for the most part, I have seen that happen in this body. 
this church when people do that? Because God can do it. God wants us to love each other and most importantly to love our spouse. When I pray for my children, I say, Lord, help him love his wife like you love the church. That's the model. As men, we should be loving our wives like Jesus loves the church. Man, he died for the church. Jeremy Camp, this couple going to church last Sunday, trouble, trouble, trouble. We're all facing some kind of trouble. But we need to bring it to the Lord and see him walk us through it. And we need to love We need to love. If our capacity for love has been unchanged for a while, we need to ask God, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of my selfish ways. Pour your love into me so I can pour my love out freely. I tell you, man, Richard Wormbrand, Tortured for Christ, holy smoke. What a movie. It it just, it's hanging with me. And um, he said, We love the Russians. The Russians occupied Romania. They brought trouble with them. And he said, as followers of Christ, we love the Russians. The military, we love them. And we tried to tell them about Jesus. But you know what else that stood out to me? 14 years in prison for his faith in Christ. He loved his wife. He kept talking about his love for his wife. 14 years in prison being tortured, and he loves his wife. Good example. Good example. So, my faith is maturing, my love is growing. Is your love growing? Number three, my model is Christ. Verse 13, may he, as a result, make your heart strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Amen. Blameless, what's that, perfect? No, we're not going to be perfect until we get to heaven. But we should be growing. We should be becoming more Christ-like. Paul says that God would make your heart strong, your inner core. Your inner core would become strong. In other words, like Jeremy Camp, when things all around you fall apart, you still hang on, you cling to your faith in Christ. And finally, he says, as you stand before God our Father, when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. We talked, we hit this last week. Do you know that we are six and a half months closer to the coming of the Lord today than we were when COVID hit? You need to think about that. Jesus is coming again. And Wednesday night, Rick Warren hit it pretty well. He said, hey, all your professors in college that are atheists and everybody who's been mocking God in Hollywood, 
There's coming a day when they will bow their knee before God and say, Jesus is Lord. So, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. We're going to do it if we're followers of Christ out of praise to him. Or people will do it out of judgment. Because they chose not to get into the lifeboat. Friend, the lifeboat is here. Don't risk your life. Don't risk eternity with your pride and arrogance thinking you can do it on your own. Because every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. You are Lord. You are Lord. When you are Lord, I, you are my master. I am your servant. You are my master. I will follow you. I will obey you. I will love you because I realize how much you love me. So, Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the example that Paul gives to us on how we need to live our lives, that our faith should be maturing, our love should be growing, and our model is you, Lord. That's what it's all about. Maybe somebody's jumped out of the lifeboat because of trouble. They bailed out, calling it quits. I pray today, Lord, that you will encourage them to get back into that lifeboat with you. Reestablish that relationship with you. Maybe you're here for the first time, never, never putting your faith in Christ. Oh, boy. Jesus, I'm getting in today because I need you. I need you. Forgive me. Or maybe you've been in that lifeboat and just kind of letting the wind blow you wherever you want to go. Oh, boy. Be intentional about your relationship with the Lord as the Spirit of God is speaking to each one of us today. How can I apply this to my life today and this week? Lord, we thank you for speaking to us. We say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen.